Welcome to the Sal Vetri Show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the podcast and the YouTube channel. Sal Vetri here, and today we're going to be looking at DFS strategy, a higher level look at contest selection. I sat down with Matt Jajewski, and we talked about a bunch of different uh, things in terms of DFS strategy. We already released one of those videos on bankroll management. You can go ahead and check that out if you have any questions on that. You can let me know. It's on the podcast and the YouTube channel already. But now we're going to talk about contest selection. You can follow Matt over on Twitter. His Twitter handle will be on the screen during the show, uh, and also you can follow him on YouTube. He's almost to a thousand subscribers. So it'd be pretty cool if we can get him there. He's like 200 away. So be sure to go check him out over there. He's posting a ton of stuff in in preparation for the NFL draft at this point right now, when we record this in March of 2020. So I appreciate it. Hopefully you enjoyed this. Be sure to hit the subscribe button here on this channel as well. You can check out rest of the exclusive content I do have on Patreon if you're ever interested and some free strategy guides also linked down below. So this one is contest selection. Let's get into the video. Getting into a topic that is very similar now. So just moving off the bankroll, moving off of how this is affecting us and getting into contest selection, it's going to work hand in hand with your bankroll a lot of the time, but there's also nuanced within itself for contest selection. And the biggest thing for contest selection is when you're playing GPPs versus cash. Like that's one of the biggest questions that I get asked is either what are, what is the differences, what contests are justified in that? And I think a lot of people will know um, GPPs just anywhere where there's guaranteed money in it. And most of the time you only have 20% of the field winning cash. Most of the time, unless you're playing double ups, single entry double ups, about 50% of the field is winning. You just don't have to be as risky in those games. Um, but I guess just point blank, uh, what type of a player are you? Are you gelled? Are you just a GPP player, just a cash player? Um, how do you approach uh, contest selection? It depends on the sport. So my the sport I have the most volume in is generally college football. Something like that where I feel I have a big edge. I play cash and GPP. Same thing with college basketball. Sports like NFL at this point, it's almost exclusively GPPs outside of just a few of the major big single entry double ups. And, you know, like XFL, when we had that new league emerge, I just played everything I could get my hands on because I felt there was a very large informational edge if you, you know, had just been paying attention to that. At that point, you know, that the first couple of weeks of XFL was somewhere where I did deviate a little bit from bankroll management, just trying to get as much action and exploit an edge as I could at that time. So it definitely varies depending on the sport. But back to bankroll management, that is all done through tracking results. So NFL, I feel that the field is a lot sharper just over the years. There's a lot of amazing tools for ownership projections. The field is really sharp. Injury information is readily available to the public, so you do not have to work as hard to kind of get the same information as maybe a sport like college basketball or XFL. So that's kind of how I treat the cash versus GPPs. It's sport-specific for me. Yeah, I, I, I have the exact same answer, and, and it's also just what's it's happening from the last two years. My evolution on this just question is a lot different. So two years ago, I was probably – way more of a cash player in every type of sport. And that makes sense. I mean, at that point, you had half of the content sites that are up right now, myself included as just an individual, uh, probably yourself as well, just not putting out as much content as is going there right as there is right now. So for me, I probably lean more GPP. Now, the type of player that I am, I play a lot of three max and single entries, and I try and shoot for small fields. Um, and I like to get involved in niche sports. So whether it was the XFL this year or for the last two years, really, when I started to take this more seriously, the WNBA, I mean, the WNBA is, is the hidden gem, and it's probably going to start to get exploited. NFL preseason already kind of did last year. But yeah, those are the sports where uh, ROI-wise, I'll play every single thing, and it'll usually end up being a really good year. It has for the last two years. But I'm kind of with you in terms of NFL and, and definitely NBA, and I think that's the biggest one where I'll kind of just point out that like this year in general, uh, unless there's obvious slates or some late news like that Bucks spot, I'm not going to really try and get down a lot of action in, in cash games as much. So I lean a lot more towards 
um, GPPs right now. I'm not a 150 max player. I did it for the XFL. I've done it. I do it pretty often for the WNBA. So in those niche sports, similar to where some of the ROI that I see is, I'll get in there. But the way the thing that I'll say for NBA right now is, and was currently on is is you have a spot where the biggest thing it, it's a number one projectable sport with like the most information out there in terms of updates on all the news and a ton of content every single day going out that everybody knows like the same four or five players that you should be playing in cash formats. And most nights, like people are locking in three or four of those guys. So you start to get in a situation in cash games where you're going for a three V three on a lot of your lineups that you're playing against people. And it's very rare that you're facing a totally unique line against you. If ever in the NBA, it's just diminishing your edge at that point. And I'd rather just start to take some different, different, differentiation spots in GPPs uh, than getting to cash. So like for NBA right now, I, I haven't been playing cash for NFL the second half of the year after just tracking results and seeing like how stacked, I would say like most of the, the payouts um, or, or the buy-ins for cash games were uh, double single entry double ups is really all that I'll probably be playing much more in cash if you even consider that cash. But yeah, I think we're on a, a similar page there when it comes to just how, how we go about playing. Now you are, you're a 150 max player, right? Yeah, I 150 max every sport that I, I possibly can. Like a sport like college basketball, you rarely get like full 150 max tournaments because the, the prize pools are so small. But NFL, XFL, college football, when we did have 150 max chances, I would 150 max every single slate if possible. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and I would say half of probably like a half or a third of the NFL slates last year is what I was 115. Preseason, WNBA and then XFL was like the auto 150 maxing for me. It's a situation where I'm probably, um, when it comes to NBA, just stuck into not much of a mindset. And this is probably what I'm going to use this week for is trying to see what trends are happening right now. And I think I think this is a perfect time to kind of see what's happening this past year in terms of ownership trends and things like that for different sports and ones that will be currently hopefully picking back up right where they left off. Um, because evaluating midseason, unless you have some sort of an all-star break, usually becomes a lot harder. And I think this is a perfect time to be doing that when it comes to contest selection. The the NBA all-star break, there was a lot of things that I noticed in terms of um, there's questions around like setting a cap at 49,900 and seeing a lot of pros starting to do that to get more unique lineups because it's such a a chalky and, and eat the chalk type of a league that that's something that I started taking away from in, in some of my contests. And at least right now, it seems to actually still be something that's going on. So just trying to identify trends in contest selection, things like that, that will impact it. Um, just niche games is, is always going to probably have edges, but the issue there is if you're putting in a lot of work and more than the field, but the issue there is just getting a lot of um, money down while you're playing some of these smaller fields that now like the League of Legends is going to become bigger. Do you, do you mess around with any of the showdown formats or anything of the, the in-game showdowns? Yeah, absolutely. Particularly any of the, the football sports, so NFL, college football, and XFL, I, I played a ton of showdown and I will 150 a lot of those tournaments as well. Yeah. Do you have, do you, so in-game showdown started to become bigger this year. Have, have you played that specifically? I have. So in-game showdown was something I started messing around with. I didn't 150 it this year. It was kind of just feeling it out, seeing what edges you could potentially gain. Like how did DraftKings price some of these players and you know, how did that could you get an edge maybe by playing someone that received the ball right away in, in the second half and stuff like that, or potential injury situations, you know, like maybe a player's banged up and just trying to leverage the field. So it was kind of a feeling out process. It was a, a little bit of a mixed result at first because I was trying out some of these strategies, but overall, I think there are some edges in in-game showdown for sure. And it's kind of an undercovered topic area in DFS. Yeah. I, so for me personally, I think that it was earlier in the year that I started to notice it. Anytime that in 
a lot of the primetime games is where you have the bigger prize pools for in-game showdown, sometimes like 20K to first for a second half showdown, things like that, even more. Um, but what I noticed the most was that if you have, first of all, people don't have a lot of time to react. It's not like you're uploading a ton of projections um, based on what happened in the first half or have those readily available. But uh, what I noticed the most was that you have situations if there's extreme outcomes. So I believe it was the Packers 49ers game during the regular season. Packers just got absolutely destroyed down three or four scores going into the half. You can very well understand what the game script was going to be in the second half and try and predict pace and trying to predict what was going to happen. The Packers start throwing the ball a lot more. The 49ers start running the ball a good amount and it sets up the 49ers defense for a really good spot that more times than not will be if you play this out a thousand times, the outcome that happens, and that's what happened in that scenario. You had Devonte Adams, Aaron Rodgers in a winning lineup, uh, 49ers running back, 49ers defense. Uh, it started to open itself up for just more predictable outcomes, even though much of the field didn't seem to be playing it that way, especially it wasn't priced that way either. So I think that's a definite edge right now, uh, similar to um, just some other spots that like in the niche sports is where you can definitely find yourself an edge and, and probably look into if that's where you're, you're seeing some more ROI second half NFL and, and extreme outcomes. And when I played it, there was only like 10 things that met that description. So it's really hard to tell if the success was a small sample at this point or not, but it's just a lot easier to predict the game flows. Was there like any specific strategies that you found you mentioning like teams that got the ball first in the second half? I think, I think that's pretty cool too, actually. Yeah, those seem to matter a little bit, but I think it was more some of the game script stuff. And I just want to point out when we have new contest formats, so like in-game showdown was pretty new. I think that's when your edge is going to be the greatest. So trying to to jump on those things immediately, test out your strategies, and then maybe run with them if you do have an edge. Like, you know, if in-game showdown were to blow up kind of like, you know, regular showdown did this year, I could see that taking a look at game scripts could be a common strategy for, for people early on. So if that is an edge... If it's not priced like that, players aren't treating it like that, I think it's a it's a time to potentially exploit it. And we might see some of that kind of happen right now with some new game formats. I mean, the Democratic debate was hilarious. Um, there's a, a, just a bunch of other things, the in-game simulations from uh, Super Draft. I'm not sure what else we'll get, but I think that's a really good point, just looking at new game formats and trying to exploit an edge if you think you have it. Yeah, I think that's a good point to take away. I think other things when it comes to contest selection um, – there's situations, and they're going to happen a lot. They happen more often on FanDuel, and they're probably going to happen less and less as time goes on and more people just start to become a little bit more keen to it. But in terms of like hunting qualifiers, um, hunting satellites before lock, so situations where yeah, these things are $1, $5, however much it is to buy into them. But if it's a 50-person qualifier, you're going to find times where five minutes before lock – really five seconds before lock is when you should be in these lobbies, um, just trying to enter in an optimal lineup for whatever sport you're playing. You might have 27 people filled. It might be 50% filled and top five places are awarded a prize. First place is rewarded a ticket, whatever it might be. Um, that's really good spots to just over time, maybe not that specific day, but over time, realize more tickets, realize just more paid entry fees back. And then eventually, if you're playing this for a year or so, something's going to bank in a bigger tournament for you just because you were putting in that time. So you don't have to be a pro to be doing this. It, the last, the one that really stood out to me. So the last full PGA event that we had pretty much a week and a half, two weeks ago, the start time was around six o'clock in the morning. So not a lot of people are on the East coast, not a lot of people are getting up on the East coast. People are sleeping on the West coast. Every single qualifier, probably 30 seconds, 20 seconds before lock, they started to fill up because people were probably doing what I was doing, just sitting there, but most of them didn't get halfway filled. And these were qualifiers that were 
$5 buy-ins, $1 buy-ins for a $444 ticket. And you just put your chances from one out of 50 of winning that to now one out of 23, I believe the one was one out of 22. If you do that over the long term, you're going to be able to bank one of those way more than it is ever going to benefit you of paying $444 to buy into it. You'll bank a lot more than the the $444 you'd have to put in. So I think just trying to hunt qualifiers and satellites is something that this year specifically, um, probably starting like a year ago at this time when golf started back up for 2019 um, is when I started doing that. I don't know if that's something you've had experience with or you have any tips on that. Yeah, so I, I definitely do this. It's primarily in some of the niche sports, college basketball, man, it was, I can't tell you how easy it was to take down some of these things because they only had tickets between one and $3. They're, the prize pools were between, you know, like 17 entries to, to 50 or so. And your tickets, depending on what you were hunting, was going to be somewhere between, you know, like they had them even over $15, like 150 max tournament. So I think in the span of two weeks, I racked up like 50 tickets to this one. You know, I mean, the contest didn't end up playing out because March Madness is obviously canceled. But I mean, the fantasy basketball, college basketball world championship was the same deal. You could hunt some of these 14 person qualifiers that, you know, had five people in them. And they even pay out. You know, if you didn't get first, they were paying out second and third sometimes. So, so I do think this is a really good way just to gain equity. And maybe some of you that are thinking about increasing your stakes. If you want to hunt these qualifiers looking for some nice overlay, it's a really solid chance to do that. And then it gives you a chance at some maybe potentially life-changing money that you might not otherwise enter. Yeah, I've met somebody who only and met virtually met, but met somebody who only was playing just like 50 cents, 25 cents a night and just reached out about trying to try different ways. And I just said to start either playing like the 25 cent quarter arcade type stuff, or if you want to just look at some of this stuff that the qualifiers right before they lock. And I think another big one, and I think where the person banked like a, a ticket and then ended up turning that into like a thousand dollar win or something was in a, a afternoon showdown site for the NBA. There's usually like very rarely on a Sunday, like a noon or one o'clock game. For some reason, it always ends up being like the, the Atlanta Hawks or the Philadelphia 76ers, but nobody's really caring. Most of those overlay anyways, the big contests, but if you're looking for just some of the smaller stuff at the bottom of the lobby, those are just ways to do it. And yeah, this person turned their like $1 bankroll per day, or at least their their spend per day into playing like now, I think, a bankroll of what is five figures. So it, it takes luck, of course, to, to hit these. But if you set yourself up for that luck often, it's probably going to pay out. The last thing that I have, at least from a contest selection standpoint, and it probably also flows into bankroll management, is just distributing yourself across different sites now. It becomes harder um, if you're playing 150 maxes or if if you don't have a lot of time to be doing this. But like Fantasy Draft, for me personally, I, I play over there a lot more, especially just to max out all their smaller stake stuff because of just the benefit of not having rake right now. Yahoo is somewhere where I probably should be playing more. And that's something that's like atop my list of looking into things right now uh, on Yahoo and just having models for that. And then FanDuel and, and uh, DraftKings as well. So just trying to get down uh, action in as many places as as often how do you play multiple sites at once or are you just focusing on like one or the two main ones i i play primarily DraftKings for the the niche sports and it's it's just because you know like super draft fantasy draft don't have college football college basketball but for things like nfl i definitely do go across sites it's just another way to kind of you can hunt some really really good overlay like i played in contests even on Super Draft, Fantasy Draft, as early as this year, where every single person cashed. So all you had to do was submit just a valid lineup, and you literally cashed. So I, I definitely do play across sides. I think it's a really nice way to, I wouldn't say hedge your your bets either, but you know, salary cap's different. It's The plays are still going to be good plays, but sometimes the salary cap is going to really decide who you end up with. So I mean, 
you could completely tank a DraftKings night and FanDuel might save you. So I, I think it is nice to kind of spread yourself across sites, not only just for overlay purposes, but to kind of even out your days as well. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And especially when these sites, like specifically NFL season starts back up, you saw Fantasy Draft rolling through a huge amount of contests with, and Yahoo as well, with just rake given back. So negative rake in these contests for the company themselves. So in situations like that, you know, it's a promotional thing. You know, it's to try and get you onto the site. Just take advantage of it and support at least these sites from that aspect. If they're going to do it, just go ahead and get your, your, your better spots in terms of just equity going in and your overall EV and upside and all of that. So um, I, I think, do you have anything else when it comes to contest selection? Yeah, one thing I, I do want to say something on the qualifiers. So I, I do think this is more viable when you have weird start times, when you have niche sports. Like, I, I think if you're chasing like an NFL live final, that's probably one of the worst ways to allocate your bankroll. Those things always fill the, the chance. The payout structure is just so top heavy getting a seed one of those NFL live finals. And I, I didn't play a lot of NBA this year because I was so involved in college basketball, but maybe NBA is, uh, is similar. Maybe you can speak to that a little bit, but I would try it more in niche sports and sports where you see specific overlay. Yeah, I completely agree. Niche sports, specific overlay, the start times, like you mentioned, if it's a weird NBA or if it is PGA early in the morning, um, for people, League of Legends, like right now, they're, they're overseas. So most of their start times are like three in the morning. So if you really want to be hunting, I don't know if there's contests for it, but that's where. And yeah, I think those are the major things. Alternative slates. So NBA, yeah, if you're playing like a main slate NBA, you're not going to find it. Like you're going to maybe one or three spots don't fill, but it's not helping you out as much for what we're really trying to do here and, and find the spots that are just 10 spots are empty in it. You have a, a much better upside. But if you're playing like a later night showdown slate, even an earlier in the day showdown slate is probably better when people aren't looking at it as much. Um, that's probably where I'd say. So yeah, I think all those are really good spots. I think that's a really underrated tactic at one, just allocating your bankroll in contest selection i hope you enjoyed that podcast and before you go if i can get you to subscribe and follow the podcast download a few if you wish but if you enjoy this podcast if you can please subscribe helps me out help support it so thank you so much and i will see you in the next one